Hello, this is Dr. Will Cole, and today we'll be mapping intuitive fasting on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix Special Nutrition Therapy Series, where we're going to dive into the approaches, practices, dietary theories, and healing foods that have been used in the most successful practices across the globe and throughout history. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. The 15-Minute Matrix is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons which highlight the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition, and that's the functional matrix. The functional nutrition matrix reminds us of three very important factors in our clinical care. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15 Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Will Cole. Dr. Cole uses breakthrough diagnostic testing and analysis that's rarely done in conventional settings to uncover the hidden causes of why people feel the way they feel. He also takes great pride in delivering personalized healthcare treatment to patients, as well as providing an environment that supports and inspires patients to reverse their poor health. Dr. Cole, I am so excited to speak with you. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Oh, my goodness. Thanks so much for having me. This has been a long time coming, and I am such a major fan of yours, so I'm glad that we're talking. Oh, same. Right back at you. And I feel like so many of the people who follow us are dual fans, and so we're often getting a lot of shout-outs together, which I love seeing, too. So, Dr. Cole, we've talked about intuitive eating on the podcast, and we've talked about fasting, but can you help us understand what intuitive fasting is? Yeah, so it's, I'm a fan of paradoxes. I guess if you look back on even functional medicine, it's it's seemingly a paradox, the best of Western medicine, the best of alternative medicine. And I think Ketotarian, my first book was the best of plant-based, the best of ketogenic and being Mm -hmm. keto adapted. And I wanted to do the same thing with intuitive fasting, which on the surface, it's paradoxical. And in reality, if someone's metabolically inflexible, if they're in the throes of blood sugar imbalance, inflammation, hormonal imbalance, hangriness, that fasting will be anything but intuitive. So true. But, and I I wanted to have an authentic conversation from a functional medicine standpoint about what my perspective is on authentic intuitive eating, because it sounds nice on social media. Uh, and but for it to be more than just a vapid soundbite that's very appealing sounding, uh, I think you need to have at least some semblance of metabolic flexibility. Otherwise, is it hangriness or is it intuition? Is it insatiable cravings or is it intuition? I so mean, true. A, a small section of people don't have any health problems and feel great can do intuitive eating because they don't have any issues. So go for that. That's awesome for them. But the majority of the human race, statistically and sadly they have to start to show up for themselves to create some proper balance in their body to have proper satiety signaling, et cetera, that we can truly have proper intuitive eating and intuitive fasting, I would say, because as someone's more 
keto adapted and fat adapted, they can go longer without eating, not because they're willing it or some arduous dogmatic thing, but because they are more metabolically flexible. So that's what intuitive fasting is all about. It's a flexible, vacillating, intermittent fasting windows to sort of the way that I see it is a, a proverbial yoga class for your metabolism. So when I went to yoga for the first time and I went to an advanced class, stupidly, I was like, what the heck? Yoga is so unnatural. I'm not good at it. But the reality is I just did too much too soon. And that's what many people do with fasting. They do too much for where their body's at. And then they think, oh, fasting's not for me. But it's about showing up where you're at and leaning into it. And just like yoga, you get stronger, you get more resilient, you get more flexible. And that's what I want people to find out through intuitive fasting. I love this concept of metabolic flexibility and metabolic inflexibility and really grounding there before we move into the realm of fasting so that it can become more intuitive. And I also appreciate your yoga metaphor. I usually use a yoga metaphor and a baby sling metaphor. Like if you haven't found right. one that works for you, you just haven't found the right teacher or the right class or the right modality, right? Yeah. It all could work. And that's where you're saying like fasting can work, but it might not work for your body or your healing process right now. And it actually can contribute to some of the mistakes people are making if in that moment of trying it, they are metabolically inflexible. So yeah. how do you ground us in becoming more flexible, sort of the fasting 101, so that we can move to that place of intuitive fasting? So I started, uh, there's a four-week plan in the book that's as with everything that I write or speak about, it's just an outpouring of my clinical practice. So from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., my main focus is consulting patients online. I started one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world over a decade ago. So it's, that's been my main focus. So everything I'm talking about intuitive fasting is things that I've seen really work for people and how I adjust it accordingly to meet their body where they're at. And obviously, tons of research in the scientific literature on fasting and the benefits of it, too. How I started out the first week of four weeks and all the practitioners, all the doctors that are listening right now know that I want to see the needle move in four weeks, but I want them to cycle through those four weeks as many times as they need to. Mm. So they're just benchmarks. I'm not saying everyone's problems are going to be solved in four weeks, certainly, but I want them to be moving in the right direction and overcome these, these insurmountable, seemingly insurmountable plateaus. So week one is a 12-12 fasting to eating window. So it's a specific time of time-restricted feeding or TRF, which is a subset, if you will, of a kind of intermittent fasting, which I'm exploring over the four weeks. So different ebbing and flowing eating and fasting windows. I think 12-12 is so underappreciated, specifically yeah. in the fasting world, you know, because someone that's metabolically inflexible, like you said, doing too much too soon isn't smart. It's not going to be sustainable. Right. And but it's like showing up to that beginner yoga class where it's like, it's still going to be a challenge. You're still going to feel like, whoa, like that, that did something to me, but it's going to be good. It's going to be sustainable. And it's not damaging. Like some of these other patterns could be really damaging too for somebody yeah. with blood sugar inflexibility. I mean, there's so much. So this brings us into that first step of what could be supportive almost no matter what. Exactly. So it's 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. or 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Have it work with your schedule. You have all day that you're eating. You're just fasting through the night. You're basically going back to that old adage of don't eat too late at night. Allow a couple hours of not eating before bed. And you're fasting through the night until you break the fast at breakfast the next morning. So I'm pairing that with a ketotarian way of eating, which is a mostly plant-based, clean, almost like a Mediterranean ketogenic way of eating. 
because that is mimicking fasting without actually fasting. But we're flexible with carbohydrates too, so it's nothing too punitive. So I'm gently leaning them into metabolic flexibility in week one. And as I say for the reader in the book, again, I say this to my patients too, if you needed to repeat week one for two weeks or three weeks before you lean into anything else, do that. Because I would rather you lean into the sustainably versus rushing through it because it's four weeks. Make it seven weeks, make it eight weeks because you're building lasting health for a lifetime and I want this to be sustainable, not some fad crash diet that you've just whipped through. I want you to show up and meet your body where it's at. I love that too, Dr. Cole, because in talking to the coaches and clinicians, listening really that adaptation to the needs of each and every individual is what makes it functional. And it's that Mm -hmm. adaptation to needs that might be physiological, but also could be psychological. So we're tuning into each person that we're helping with this particular modality. So week one, we're doing a 12-12. Where do we go from there? So week two, and I have like a little name for each week. So week one is body reset and week two is metabolic recharge. So the reason why I'm naming these is a lot of the research around that. So the body reset week 12, 12 is some really cool studies showing how the gut microbiome has a sort of circadian rhythm similar to cortisol. And often we're always eating foods that are disruptive of the microbiome and we're always snacking and always eating that there's some studies that show that time-restricted feeding, intermittent fasting sorts of resets the the gut microbiome circadian rhythm. So that's why I call it body reset week one. Week two, metabolic recharge. We're really working on those cardiometabolic markers like insulin resistance, lowering inflammation levels, please starting that journey uh, and uh, start that fat burning a bit more. So we're going to be digging deeper into nutritional ketosis, at least cyclically, with about a 14 to 18 hour fast, which is still, I wanted to have a a range there because 14 hours, if you're the low end of that metabolic recharge fast in week two, it's just two hours more than week one. So you could be quite incremental and lean into it if you want to. Um, And then all the way up until an 18, which is a good sweet spot to graduate from that week one. And an 18 hour fast, to use that as an example, the upper limit of that, is a six hour eating window. So you can move that six hour window wherever you want, but many people do it from 12 to 6 p.m. or the morning to lunchtime. And then you have that longer fast until you break the fast the next day. So that's week two. And then week three is the deepest fast. It's a uh, almost OMAD fast. Well, we'll definitely lead to the book. I want people to be able to read more about what you're working on, but I want to talk about this intuitive piece. And in this realm of the metabolic recharge, there's so much that could go on for people in a fasting state. And some of that is community related. So I'll just reveal mm. that I'm very comfortable with a 14 to 16 hour window of fasting, but I choose and feel better intuitively eating in the morning and stopping really early. I have basically like no desire to eat after four, but that makes Mm. me not a great dinner party guest (laughs) and, (laughs) or a, you know, family meal. Like it's just, it's not where my body wants to be. How do we work with people around what might be important to them socially and what might their body actually be telling them they need. Mm, That's beautiful. So I I love the fact that you said that, because I think oftentimes in the fasting world, we sort of, the pendulum swings in extremes and I don't like it because it's like, okay, we were told growing up that breakfast is the most important meal. And then the fasting comes in and say, well, no, that's not true. And what you should skip breakfast and fast. 
which the truth is oftentimes somewhere in the middle. If someone enjoys breakfast and this art of breakfast, there's no reason why you can't move that eating window. Like you said, intuitively, you know, I feel better. I want to eat in the morning, but then I can end earlier in the evening. I think that's great. I, I love doing that too. So I think it's just a matter of for people to reevaluate how they do their life. And it doesn't mean you can't go and spend time with your family. I think a lot of the this the book I'm I discuss as these what I call in the book is metaphysical meals and these sort of acts of stillness, these spiritual practices or mindfulness practices to reevaluate uh, their relationship with food and reevaluate how they're doing their life and if it's working for them or not. So things like gratitude journaling or journaling in general or mindfulness practice, breathing exercises and getting out in nature, just having a reckoning on how you're living your life when it comes to food and wellness and when you're eating and what you're eating and societal pressures of saying you have to do this. You know, a lot of times people prior to COVID would be like, well, okay, I have meetings. I have a lot of my job has to do with going out to eat. Well, is that really serving your health? Maybe it is. Maybe finding the right meal it is. But challenge the idea that you have to go about doing something when it comes to your family or work. And if it's not making you feel great, what's the sustainability of that? And just saying, putting your health first and saying, look, my health's more important than potentially hurting someone's feelings or feeling like the odd man out or the odd woman out at a work meeting. The reality is people normally don't care as much we think as they so care. About. Yeah. And it's like you just need to take the action step and just say, just because something's common doesn't necessarily mean it's normal and go outside of that comfort zone. And then you realize, well, you'll be an inspiration to many people be like, Oh, they're doing something that's actually they're standing up for themselves. They're having agency over their health and you can inform them whatever makes sense. You know, you don't have to go into great detail if you don't want to, if it's a work situation, but for family members, I mean, they love you hopefully. So explaining that uh, is what I would say. And then show up, hang out with them. Don't be socially yes. isolated, but uh, with your family, I mean, like you can hang out with them, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a big meal if you're not hungry. Right, right. And when we're so tuned into our body and can help our clients and patients get there, it's less of a trigger not to be eating in a place. I always call it opting in, like opt in for the experience. You don't need to opt in for the shared activity, right? right. So if people are drinking and I don't drink, I can still be present. It doesn't bother me. If they're eating cake, I don't eat that cake and it's past a certain time, like it doesn't bother me at all. I can still be present. So Dr. Cole, if we get to the central portion of the functional nutrition matrix, you talked a lot about immune and inflammatory balance and gastrointestinal functions like the microbial terrain. What else does the research show us in that central kind of soup physiological area mm -hmm. that intermittent fasting and intuitive fasting helps us to restore? Mm -hmm. A word that comes to, or the phrase that comes to mind here is Paracelsus. What I talk, I quote in the book, he was the lesser known father of modern medicine. He's known as the father of toxicology, which interest, interestingly enough, Hippocrates, which I also mentioned in the book, also used fasting. But Paracelsus, he was known as the Martin Luther of medicine. He's reforming medicine mm -hmm. at the end of the 1400s, early 1500s in Switzerland. He called fasting the physician within, which I think is quite an eloquent way of putting it. 
And all of these systems on this functional nutrition matrix, fasting has an amazing story to tell, an amazing action step to do or a pathway to support. So I look through all of these things and it's really supporting a lot of stuff from a musculoskeletal standpoint to supporting detoxification pathways, to regulating hormone balance, to uh, lots of things. And even the mind, spirit, emotion side of things, bringing in and using fasting and food as a mindfulness practice is a great tool to use as well. So both directly and indirectly has not just physiological benefits, but mental, emotional, and spiritual benefits, if you let it to, if you can go there with it. Humans would have evolved with and utilized for a long time. One of the most specific ones that I I get excited about are the inflammatory components. The fact that we can A, take a break from things that are inflammatory, but beyond that, tap into this physician within. When you support cyclical, at least cyclical levels of beta hydroxybutyrate. It is a signaling molecule, which means it does really cool things for our physiology. One of them being it lowers pro-inflammatory cytokines like NF-kappa B, the NLRP3 inflammasome, these pro-inflammatory cytokines that are in so many people that are really struggling. And this is a free way to really tap into the body's own immunomodulatory system to downregulate the pro-inflammatory cytokines and increase Things like the AMPK pathway, the NRF2, these pro-antioxidant health benefits. That, and I would say autophagy, which I don't know what area you put that on the thing, but just overall, <laughs> I guess it would be immune uh, balance and oxidative stress, and energy production, a lot of different components there. But the cellular recycling, I just think the body's so amazing. And if we give it the chance to do so, it's amazing what the body's capable of. Mm, So beautifully put. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing this wisdom today, Dr. Cole. Thank you. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode ready for you, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. 